Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. I love Christmas. Of course, it's Christ's birthday. How could I not love celebrating the birthday of my Lord and Savior? But I love it because it's a time when we slow down out of our regular lives. We focus on family and friends, festivals and fun, and Jesus Christ, and activities and cantatas and Christmas pageants and all the fun things that we enjoy. It's also a great time of year when we can share Jesus through our words. Merry Christmas, those words, or Christmas carols. So many of the old Christmas carols focus on the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What's your favorite Christmas carol? We sang Joy to the World when we were in Bethlehem at the Church of the Nativity one year. And we also sang Silent Night right there, being reminded at the spot where Jesus was born, how special he is and what he did for us. So that reminds me of how special these Christmas carols are because they focus on the true meaning of Christmas rather than Santa. And since Jesus is the reason for a season, the songs should be worshipful. They should be God-honoring, and that's what these carols are. Today, we want to take a look at some of the Christmas carols. Who wrote them? why they wrote them in some instances, and how they depict the true meaning of Christmas. So we're actually not going to sing them for your sake, but we are going to walk through the verses. I'm Debbie Blank, wishing you a very Merry Christmas week. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors, joining Debbie and wishing you a very Merry Christmas. What is your favorite part of Christmas? With so many things to choose from, I have one question. What would Christmas be like without Christmas music? The Christmas carols we know so well, the lyrics we love to sing, the thrilling harmonies of choirs and carolers, the sound of bells ringing out. Our hearts swell with emotion when we hear them or we get the chance to sing along. The music of Christmas is a beautiful witness to the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Music has a way of speaking to our souls and getting into us like nothing else can. So as we all begin to hear and play the music of the Christmas season, we want to look at the wonderful messages of Scripture set to music that capture our hearts and deepen our worship. We can't really take credit for putting together this list because we found it on Crosswalk.com. Ten Christmas carols that tell the real story of Christmas. We've tempered it and we've added the words to it, so we've changed it a little bit. But it gave us the idea to share these with you so that you can pay attention as you're singing them. I often think that when we recite the Our Father, we do it rotely. And we never think of the words that we're saying when we're saying that prayer. The same thing can happen with Christmas carols, how we just sing them, but we don't pay attention to the words. These are worshipful words that we can enjoy this Christmas season that'll focus us on Jesus. So we're going to begin with the first Noel. Noel is derived from the Latin word nasi, which means to be born. It really literally means for us a Christmas carol, according to Webster's Dictionary. It's really possible that the tune of this song has been played since the 1200s. But it was Davies Gilbert who added the lyrics and published it in 1823. As we read the lyrics of this song, we're going to see Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, come to life about the angels telling the shepherds of the birth of Jesus. The first Noel, or the first birth. 
The first Noel the angels did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 born is the king of Israel. So here you have the angels singing, presenting the birth of the Messiah to the shepherds in the fields. And we have to understand that shepherds were the lowliest of people back then. They were smelly, they were dirty, sheep were not respected, though they were eaten by the people. But the shepherds were outcasts almost. They weren't in public very often because they spent all their time with the sheep. Yet that's the first person that God announced the birth of his son to. And in this stanza, it's not just the birth of his son, but it's the one who is born the king of Israel. That makes it clear. When it talks about the second stanza, they looked up and saw a star. Again, this is from the Bible. This is the description of how this was announced, what they saw, what the Magi followed, all of those things. It's about this glorious apparition in the heavens where there's this unusual star and it's glowing. I thought about, I think it's Psalms, where it says the heavens declare the glory of God. And here, literally, the star is declaring the glory of God in this story. In this day and age, when people are turning against Israel, it's interesting to have a Christmas carol that talks about the king of Israel, that takes us back to the fact that Jesus was a Jew. He was the promised Messiah to the Jewish people. He was given to us because they rejected him. Of course, the Old Testament promised that he would be given to the Gentiles anyway. We now have Jesus as our king because he first came to his people, the Jews, the king of Israel. And he is forever the king of Israel, though that might not be politically correct. It's the truth. We can look at a second carol that is, O come, O come, Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us, according to Matthew one twenty three. So what it's saying is, O come, God with us, the promised child. If you recall in Isaiah 7.14, it is promised that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he should be called Emmanuel. That again was repeated in Matthew one twenty three, proving that Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. So we see the, all that as we read this song. O come, O come, Emmanuel. You might say, O come, O come, God with us. Then he says, and ransom captive Israel. That's why Jesus came, to ransom Israel from their sins and ultimately us because we're grafted into those promises. The verse goes on to say, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. So we are in exile in this land. It's not our home. Heaven is our ultimate home. That's where our focus should be on. We're languishing in our exile here until the Son of God appears and will ultimately make way so that you and I can spend eternity with him in heaven. Now, that's a lot there, but that's really what those verses are saying. And then it ends the stanza by saying, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. And that's the natural response. When you hear the wonderful news that God is with us, he's come to ransom the captives, those of us who are still today in exile in this foreign place, which is not really our true home. Our true home is in heaven with Jesus, with our God and our Lord. To be released from that exile What's the natural reaction? Rejoice, rejoice. Absolutely. And then in the second stanza, it says, O come thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave. 
Well, that's pretty clear that Jesus has come to conquer Satan and to give us victory. Do we think about those words? They're just directly out of Scripture where Jesus is called the rod of Jesse. Well, that then leads us into a joyful song, Joy to the World. The Bible is full of joy. Now we should be joyful. In Psalm 98 and Psalm 96, there's so many words of encouragement about joy. Psalm 96 verses 11 and 12 read, And so let the heavens resound in gladness. Let joy be earth's rhythm as the sea and all its creatures roar. Let the fields grow in triumph, a grand jubilee for all that live there. Let all the trees of the forest dig in and reach high with songs of joy before the eternal. So we're called to be joyful in our relationship with God. So it's normal that we would sing joy to the world because that joy comes from God. The first stanza reads, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Again, the Lord. The Lord is God here. Curios, let earth receive her king. Now this calls him king too. Let every heart prepare him room. So you have the Lord, Curios, who is our king, our savior, and our hearts need to prepare him room. You see, he didn't just come outwardly. He came to live and die for our sins that he might change our hearts, that we might receive him into our hearts, give him control of our hearts, and let him be king and Lord of our hearts. That's what we're seeing here. And that's that invitation to accept the gospel message, to accept Jesus Christ into our hearts. And then as you go into uh, In Heaven and Nature Sing, In Heaven and Nature Sing, three times they repeat that. And again, it reminds me of the psalm that says the heavens declare the glory of God. And the rocks would cry out if the people didn't cry out that Jesus was Messiah, the rocks would cry out. Absolutely. The next verse starts out, joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Now, I'm going to stop right there because here we have him now as Savior. We have him as Lord, as King, as Savior. In the fourth stanza, it reads, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the light of his righteousness and wonders of his love. We see that our Lord, our King, our Savior is full of righteousness and truth and wonder and love. And that's who Jesus Christ is. And I just counted, there's the five lines there that repeat, and wonders of his love, and wonders of his love. So just emphasizing that, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is the wonder of his love. There's another Christmas carol that a lot of us aren't familiar with, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, because it's a more of an old-fashioned hymn, but it still has the gospel message. It assures us of John 3.16 when it says, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. And then it goes on to say, why? To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, O tidings of comfort and joy. So what are we to do? We are to rest because we have a Savior who saved us from Satan's power. That Savior is Jesus Christ. And he's not just our Savior because we sing about him or because he was born on Christmas Day. He's our Savior when we surrender our lives to make him our Savior, to make him the Lord of our lives. It goes on in the second stanza to read, In Bethlehem in Israel, this blessed babe was born and laid within a manger upon this blessed morn. The which his mother Mary did nothing take in scorn, O tidings of comfort and joy. And it repeats that again. Again, proving one of the many hundreds of prophecies of Jesus Christ's birth as our Lord and Savior, his first coming. 
was that he'd be born in Bethlehem in Israel. Micah 5 talks about that, gives us the prophecy. Jesus was born there. He was a blessed babe. He was laid in a manger. We know that. We know that his mother's name was Mary. All of those things come directly out of the Christmas story. Again, honoring him as our Lord, our Savior, and conqueror of Satan's power. And also our good shepherd. When you look back at that first stanza, to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray, that reminds me that he is our good shepherd. And he's unwilling that any should go astray. He's come to gather us all in and unwilling that any should perish. Now, we already said that he was born in Bethlehem. So it's natural that we would look at the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. It was inspired when Phillips Brooks actually visited Bethlehem. So he compiled this song in the mid-1800s to memorialize his birth that was prophesied in Micah 5.2. It sings, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. So who is Jesus? The everlasting life. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's eternal. He never had a beginning. He never has an end. And in that light, we have the hopes of eternal life through him. Jesus is called here the light. Remember in John 1, Jesus is called the light. It says in verse 8, John the Baptist was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, according to John 1, 12. Those who believe in Jesus saw the light, the true light, believed in him, And Jesus then becomes our Lord and Savior. Those are some of the things that we're seeing right here in this verse. I'm just looking here at the third stanza. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. That's the gospel message. That's the sinner's prayer. As you're singing that and you really mean it, you could be saved singing the third stanza of this hymn. I love it. I love that we see the gospel so clearly in these Christmas songs, these carols that we sing. Hark the herald angels sing, in my opinion, is the best layout of who Jesus Christ is and of the gospel message. Not one of my favorite songs, but it is now that I've done the research. There's four stanzas in this song, and each one of those stanzas depicts a different aspect of Jesus. The first stanza declares him as our king and our savior. When it says, hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all you nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So he's called a king here. He's called our savior by calling him Christ. Christ is Messiah. That was the word for the savior. It says that God and sinners are reconciled through Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. It goes on to stanza two, where here he's related to as the Messiah, the man, the redeemer, Godhead who came to earth to live and die for us as our redeemer. When it says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, 
late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel, that's God with us. Jesus was pleased to dwell with man. Yet it said earlier in that stanza, he was the Godhead. So it's telling us that he's 100% God and he's 100% man, which is the only way we could be redeemed from our sins, is to have those characteristics of our Savior. And being born of the Virgin, so important in the Christmas story, it was assigned to them. When we go back to Genesis and that first prophecy of Messiah that would come and save us came in of the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. I love this carol because every single verse, every single word is steeped in scripture. I have all the scriptures that point to the answers in what Charles Wesley is saying in this hymn. No other Christmas carol is so steeped in scripture as this. The third stanza talks about the resurrection of life when it says, Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give a second birth. Risen with healing in his wings, light and life to all he brings. Hail the son of righteousness. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. He's called the one who is born from the dead. He gives us a second birth. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he might have life, that he might give us life. And because we have that life, we have hope and love, which is what Charles Wesley brings in the last stanza when he says, Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise, the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now effaced or destroyed. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. All of those are mentioned in Scripture to explain the hope, the love that Jesus has, not just for Israel, but for all the nations, for anyone who would come to him. Stamp thine image in Satan's place is what it says. That's what we need is to stamp Christ's image in our hearts and in our lives. What a hymn this is. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. And that's from Romans 5.19. John Wesley came later in 1865 and penned a Christmas carol that's really simple. Go tell it on the mountain. That's just what we're supposed to do about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. The birth of Christ isn't just this special, cuddly, warm feeling of a baby in a manger, because who doesn't love babies? This is the birth of our Savior, he can't die for our sins unless he's born in the first place. So John Wesley says, go tell everybody. Go tell it on a mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is born. And then it goes on to say, when I was a seeker, I sought both night and day. I asked the Lord to help me, and he showed me the way. He made me a watchman upon a city wall. And if I am a Christian, I am the least of all. And each one of those has the refrain of, go, tell it on the mountain. Tell who Christ is and what he's done for us. Do we do that? Do we share that wonderful story that God has given to us as children of Jesus Christ, the story that brought us to redemption so that other people might know him also? Uh, this is the Great Commission and a personal testimony set to music. Absolutely. 
Angels we have heard on high. Again, goes back to what we talked about before with the angels proclaiming the birth of Christ. When it says, angels we have heard on high, sweetly, sweetly through the night. And the mountains in reply, echoing their brief delight. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in excelsis Deo. That means glory to God in the highest. That's a worship of God, a worship because of the angels. The second stanza, the shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Why the gladsome tidings be, which inspire your heavenly song? And then he says, glory to God in the highest, when he says, gloria in excelsis Deo. Come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn king. So he calls everyone, the angels, the shepherds, and then I wonder if he's calling the wise men and us. I believe he is. To come adore on bended knee, that's a sign of humility, surrendering ourselves to the Messiah. Christ, that's the Messiah, the Lord of our lives, if we'll make him that instead of us being the Lord. And then he's called the newborn king. Glory to God in the highest. I was struck by the word jubilee where it says, shepherds, why this jubilee? Because when I think of the word jubilee in the scriptures, I think of rest, release, restitution, celebration, freedom, restoration, all of those good things. What a great thing to celebrate. This is what our Messiah brings to us. One of the more awe-inspiring Christmas carols, especially when you hear it sung with the rolling accompaniment that goes with it, is O Holy Night. O Holy Night. Holy, that means exalted or worthy of complete devotion. Do we see this birth, this Christmas, as holy, worth devotion, worth the goodness and the righteousness that God has used this for? Christ is perfect. In this Christmas carol, it focuses us on that night that he was born when it says, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Every time the word Savior is mentioned, I think, what Savior mean? It means that he is the one who saved us from our sins. That's what a Savior does. It goes beyond his birth to his whole life and his sacrifice at his death when it talks about his Savior. It continues by saying, Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining? That happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when they first disobeyed God. And that original sin came into this world. We had no way to conquer sin, to be able to enter God's heaven until the Messiah came. And his birth didn't do that. It was his life and death that opened that door for us to have eternity with Christ. For the sin and the error that we pine against, our future was made perfect in Jesus Christ that started with his birth. With his appearing, our soul felt its worth, its opportunity to know God and be with him forever. It goes on to say, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Well, we should certainly be weary of the sin that we see in this world. And yet you and I don't focus on that sin. We focus on the glory that is to be revealed when we get to experience our salvation in glorification in heaven with Christ. That's the thrill of hope. Continues by saying, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That new and glorious morn is the beginning of the salvation message with Christ's birth. It's also a new and glorious morning for us when we accept that salvation message, the gospel message. How should we react to that? Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. 
How are we to respond to the gospel message? When we read the truth in the word of God, fall on our knees, humble ourselves before the savior of the world, surrender to him, commit our lives to him. It's really very easy. It's an act of our hearts. There's no magic prayer that we need to do to commit our lives to Jesus. It's simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and surrendering to him. Actually, you could say it's the ABCs, admitting that we're a sinner in need of redemption, believing that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Savior of our sins, and then confessing him as Lord, giving him control of our lives. That's as simple as it comes. Admitting that we're a sinner, believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and confessing him as Lord of our lives. If you do that today, you will experience the greatest Christmas you've ever experienced. Away in a manger sweetly sings of the baby in the manger lying peacefully amidst dire circumstances. I always think of this as a children's hymn because we always sing it when we were kids. It's so sweet that way about the baby. What messages does this carol have for us? Well, let's read it. Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. So here he's called Jesus and Lord. It says there's no crib for his head. So we hear the Christmas story of him being in a manger, and we also realize that he's humble. It says, The stars in the sky look down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, close by me forever, and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care, and take us to heaven to live with thee there. There we have the opportunity to know that we will go to heaven when we commit to Jesus. We will be with him there. And I agree with you. It is more of a children's song than it is for us, but it's so tender. It's so caring. And kids don't necessarily understand Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but they do understand a hymn like this that talks about Jesus as Lord and talks about him taking us to heaven. How often do we really listen to these words like we're talking about today? I'm so encouraged as I read these, kind of singing them in my mind, even though we're reading them aloud, at how much our ancestors worshiped God, praised him in their music. Do we do that now? Now we have a lot of modern Christmas carols too. When I think of Mary, Did You Know? That's a beautiful song. Some more current ones that worship Jesus. It's wonderful to see that people are still focusing on the theme of Jesus Christ for Christmas in these carols. We've got a lot of secular songs that are out there, but I choose to focus on the Christmas carols because it brings in the true meaning of Christmas. As you listen to the Christmas songs this Christmas season, will you put on your radio or on your iPod the real true meaning of Christmas songs? Because that then brings our heart and our mind to remember Jesus Christ who he is. He's not just a baby in a manger. He's our savior. He's the one who will grow up to save us from our sins, to die on the cross for our sins, and to be resurrected. Yes, it comes with his birth, and it's a wonderful feeling to rejoice over the birth of Christ, but it's so much more. Jesus wants our whole heart to be committed to him at this day and every day in all of our lives. Will you use Christmas as a time to turn to Jesus, to commit your life to him as our Lord and Savior, not just as a baby in a manger, but as the one who died for your sins. And if you've done that, will you use this time to recommit your life, to focus on Jesus for who he is, for who he calls you to be, and focus on obedience to him and his word. 
If you do, you will find the true meaning of Christmas, which is joy and hope of being with Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.